My name is Bryony Lieber and I'm looking forward to our guests joining us on our episode of the WIMSA Podcast Network. Today I've got five guests with me in the studio and virtually and they include two of our mentors and three of our mentees who are part of the WIMSA mentoring program this year. What we're going to be doing is talking about mining engineering as a career and for that reason, we have five mining engineers as part of this podcast. So, welcome everybody. Welcome to Bile. Thank you, Bryony. Welcome, Mokhiliadi. Thank you, Bryony. Welcome, Nkosi. Thank you, Bryony. And Pitty, welcome. Thank you, Bryony. And Annalisa, welcome. Thank you, Bryony. Right, so let's kick this off and let's have a little bit of fun while we're chatting and recognize that all of us can mentor each other. Um, I certainly find in our mentoring sessions that as a mentor, I learn a hell of a lot from the mentees. So let's try and get the most out of the session for everybody and bearing in mind that there are also a lot of listeners who can learn from all of us collectively. So Tabile and Mokhaliadi, I would like to introduce you, Tabile, past WIMSA chairperson, uh, top 100 inspirational woman and executive of the Eastern Limb for Implat. So fairly impressive CV, and that's just a few of the headline items. And Mokhadiadi, rising star winner in the mining and metals category in 2015, chairperson for the Session Women in Mining Group and section manager at Kumba Iron Ore. Very impressive and lovely to have you both here as our guest mentors. So before we go any further, it would be really good to understand how the two of you got into mining engineering as careers. Tabile, maybe you can kick it off. No, absolutely. So thank you very much for the invite, and it's indeed a pleasure to be on this platform. So I matriculated uh, in the year 2000, uh, giving away my age. Um, <laughs> and, you know, when you matriculate, evaluating options. You know, what are you going to do after you matriculate? So due to some situations at home, I had to evaluate what was out there. So I started looking at opportunities um, within the engineering sphere. But what attracted me was mining. So I did apply to various mining organizations. I was fortunate enough to be awarded a bursary by Goldfields, who then supported me uh, throughout my tertiary education. But the one requirement for me to get this bursary was that I had to work underground for a year before I went to Wits University. So that's essentially how I entered the mining industry, being awarded the bursary, working underground for a year, which in hindsight was the best thing I could have done for myself. Because when I went to university, I knew exactly what it is that I was studying. I knew exactly how underground looked. So I could appreciate, um, you know, all the technicalities that were involved throughout the course. And since then, I have been in the mining industry. So it's 20 years now since I've been in the mining industry. And I would imagine that underground mining experience gave you a huge asset because for a lot of your peers, it must have been a hugely theoretical experience to just be studying it. I'm going to give away my age. I matriculated in 1992 and I never in my entire school career heard about mining or mining engineering or engineering at all. So it really intrigues me how you move into the mining industry if it's not something that people talk about at school. Mokhileadi, I wanted to ask, is it is it a career that was mentioned to you when you were at school? Did you have exposure to the mining industry before you moved into it? No. Um, so, But when I was in grade nine, uh, an uncle of mine came home to wash his car 
And as I was washing the car, I came across a Mintech booklet. And in there, they had spoken, they were speaking about mining engineering careers. And I think that's the day I fell in love with mining and decided that's the career I'll be taking. So it really helped a lot in also identifying the subject I needed to choose going into grade 10 the following year. And yeah, um, that's the day I decided I'll be doing mining engineering. What is it about mining that you fell in love with? So Mintek was talking about mining, uh, metallurgy, geology, and what career options are available for all those careers. And what attracted me the most to mining engineering was the number of career opportunities they had and the support that was available from bursaries to what you'd be studying at school. And I felt, you know, it, it suited my career. And at the time, they were still heavily attracting women in the sector. And I felt, you know, it's, it's positioning me better for opportunities. Okay. So definitely the support and the opportunities and the diversity in the mining industry was something that was attractive for you. And I think that's common for a lot of people. It's one of those industries where almost every single profession can work, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I want to find out from the mentees, because you've entered the work environment a little bit more recently than the rest of us. Pitti and Nkosi and Annalisa, how did you find out about mining engineering? What is it that got you into the mining industry and specifically mining engineering as a profession? And Pitti, maybe you can start off. Yeah, so my dad was an underground shift boss. So I grew up in the, the mining industry. We grew up in a mining town. So I was very conversant on what mining is about. We used to have school excursions underground in primary school already. So I had developed some sort of love for mining and I used to help my dad with his mine planning after work when he gets home and he laid down his plans and he starts coloring in, this is what we're going to be mining in the next month, this is what we'll be mining in the next two months and we used to color in a three months plan for him and that's how I, I sort of fell in love with mining. And even though my, my dad wasn't very keen on me, especially going into production, he, he wanted me to do anything else but production. He's like, yeah, engineering is great. You can go into chemistry. You can go into electrical. Just not mining. Uh, just not production. And so I ended up getting a bursary to go and do chemical engineering. But I had to go and also do the gap year at Anglo-Plaid um, to see whether that's what I wanted to do. And walking into the plant, I absolutely hated it. I couldn't stand the smell of chemicals and chemistry, and I just didn't like it. And I'm glad that I actually went through that process of taking a gap year and actually going to work because I realized that I am not suited for, for chemical engineer or analytical chemistry. And I then switched over to, to Rock Engine because my dad was still adamant, you will not go into production. <laughs> yeah, so I then switched over to Rock Engineering. But I decided to study mining instead of geology to go into rock engineering. And since since going to varsity, I just never looked back. I, I sort of tried to hold on to doing the technical roles, rock engineering for a bit. And then you still have to go through the same graduate program as everybody else. You still have to do a blasting ticket. You still have to do shifts. You still have to do a manager's ticket. And then I just never went back. I, I got bit by some bug that kept me there up until the, the, uh, where I am today. 
And now you're production section manager at Tungela. So you're in yeah. production. I am still there. <laughs> <laughs> and Annalisa, what's your journey been into the mining space? Well, it's sort of similar to Petit's. When I was in high school, we were, I always wanted to be an architect. And we were given an opportunity to go work for two weeks for like work experience. I think when we were in grade 11. And I went to work at an, at an architectural firm in Pushepston. And I was so bored. I just did not enjoy it. Obviously, I enjoyed design, but it was I was bored. And when I came back, I just researched more, spoke to my teachers that, you know what, I'm actually leaning towards engineering. I don't know, but which engineering um, sector to choose from. And then through further research, I saw, hey, there's something called mining engineering. And I matriculated in 2014, but I still didn't know a single mining engineer. And I said, you know what, let me take a leap of faith and apply for this. And I remember my mom asking me, who do you know that's a mining engineer? And in my mind, I was like, exactly. I want, when someone asks my little cousins that question, I want them to say Annalisa. You oh, know? I love that. And, yeah. and, I, and I applied. And when I got to it in 2015, I just fell in love. The more I knew about mining, the more I wanted to be in the industry and I wanted to learn more about it. So, yeah, that's how I, I got into mining engineering. How wonderful. And, you know, I think what's interesting here is that so often we say you can't become it if you can't see it, and yet you couldn't see it, and you became it anyway. Yeah. And now others are going to be able to follow in your footsteps because they can see you. So that's that's a really inspirational story. And, Corsi, yeah. what was your journey into mining? Oh, my journey, I always wanted something different because I was interested in ed science. So everybody at home is into the health department. So this other day in class, when I was doing my metric, our teacher asked us what we want to do. So someone talked about mining engineering. I didn't have any career advice regarding mining engineering or knew anyone who did mining engineering. Then I decided to just apply for mining engineering and chemical engineering and then the health side for a doctor. But then the only varsity that accepted me was UJ and I was accepted for mining engineering. That's how I got into mining. Okay, so I think the theme here is everybody wanted to do something slightly different to what they were experiencing. Perhaps except for Pity, who I think was a mining engineer long before she even studied mining engineering. Yes. <laughs> so Pity, I want to hand over to you because I don't want this to be me asking questions. I want this to be the mentees asking questions of the mentors. So you had some questions that you'd been thinking about. What's, what would you like to ask our two mentors while we're sitting here together? All right. So I'll just ask, and it'll be open to the both of you. Um, what decisions have you had to make in your career that differentiated you from others' paths? So people have different paths in mining. And as I said, I, I chose to go into production, but that's not necessarily um, everybody's paths. What decision did you have to make in your career that differentiated your path from others? So, you know, I think we are all aware mining industry comes with its challenges. But for me, I think the biggest differentiator is choosing a course and staying that course and making sure that as you journey through 
this career of mining. You do everything that's possible to ensure that uh, you differentiate yourself. So, I mean, I graduated with a number of females in my class, but I can count with my fingers how many are left because there's so few of us. Um, the reason why some decided to go into other industries um, is, you know, if you become a parent, you decide, you know, this is a bit difficult. But I think that the differentiator in mining in general, and you can see, you know, the, the female CEOs that are rising, is that they've stayed the course. Uh, if you look at Mpumi, she stayed the course. An Anglo Bursa who's now going to be a CEO of Kumba, she's been in there, stayed there. So I think it's quite important because we get tempted sometimes to, to look elsewhere. But I think if it's if it's something that you're really passionate about, and that's mining for me, it's something that I'm really passionate about. So if the passion is there and the the willingness to make a difference, you'll definitely get that differentiation. I want to know, Tabile, what does it mean to you to stay the course? So what are the behaviors of that? Because I would there are so many easier industries to work in and easier jobs to do. And and so passion is one of those things. But what keeps you resilient and keeps you What's the behavior of sticking it out for you? Yeah. So, you know, for me to have stuck it out for for 20 years, yes, you're right, uh, Brani, it is passion. Uh, but it's also for me, it's, it's about fulfilling a course. So I don't think that I've reached a point where I have made that difference that I really want to make. So it's also having that that vision of what does mining mean to me, you know, in the places that I work in the environment that I work, what does making a difference mean to me? And uh, that behavior is about resilience and it is about having that, the vision, but it's, it's a bigger course, you know, because leadership is really leaving people better off than you found them. So I'm not, I'm not sure that I've reached a point where I've said, you know, hand on heart, I've really made that difference and I'm leaving people better off because there are so many challenges that we still find in mining, women in mining, the challenges that are there, we are far from making that difference. So it's about really making that difference. That's a big why. Mokhiliadi, I wonder if you want to answer Petty's question. Yeah, and I think it's a great question. And it's something I think in my early years in the career bugged me a lot. And I've always wanted, wondered why, you know, they would choose me over my peers. And um, I made a decision to diversify my career. And... I started in coal and I decided, you know, I need to move around. So that's why I moved to iron ore. And I remember the move was very, not very popular with, with, you know, people who cared about me. I remember one of my mentors telling me how volatile the iron ore prices are and how sensitive the industry is to that. But because it was based on my decision to diversify my career, I, I took it anyway. And at the time, it actually looked like a demotion because I was leaving a permanent job for a fixed-term contract. But it was really guided by this end goal of me being a more diversified mining engineer and not just having experience in one commodity. Yeah. Thanks, Mokhaliadi. It speaks quite clearly to collecting a basket of experiences and not mm-hmm. just sticking to the profession that you're qualified in, but actually intentionally looking for other areas to work in so that you fully understand the full business and the interfaces between the business. That's great. All right, Annalisa and Nkosi, what would you like to ask our mentors? As a young person in the industry, having just one year experience, I speak for most of my peers when we say in the first year, 
um, we battled a lot and some might still be battling with imposter syndrome where you reach a point where you doubting your capabilities and you have low self-confidence and self-doubt. And I just want to know from both of the ladies if they have experienced that and if so, how did they conquer it and what advice do they have for any young female or males in the industry now going through that? Yeah, um, so I'll, I'll answer as a young mining engineer, as well. I still consider myself young and maybe some will call me Usain Gala, but, <laughs> um, I think when I, I still remember very well the first year I started working in, I think it's really around not questioning yourself a lot because the truth is there's a lot that you do not know. So it's really around being open to learning and learning from everybody because every day, there's something new to learn. So at, at the time, I, I honestly didn't struggle a lot with questioning what I knew, what my skills were. I relied heavily on my learning capacity. I think if I were to be honest, I'd say, you know, it, it happens later in your career when you, there's a lot of expectation on you to know. But in the beginning, I think you should just be opening yourself to learning. And I think one of the most invaluable lessons I've ever gotten in my career is to learn and learn very fast. Um, it was from one of my mentors and I've, that's all I've been doing. And to, to this day, I still remain curious about what is this situation here to teach me? What is this person here to teach me? And I don't think I know it all. So it, it really, it's in rare cases where I feel challenged to know everything. Because even as a leader in my team, they know that I don't know I don't know it all and I'm quite comfortable with that because it, it really keeps me a learner at heart. So I think, you know, when you are starting up, just you know, as they say, forget your degree and just start learning. Yeah, I think that's such an important point. The moment you think you know everything, that's exactly when you start to trip up. Tabile, what about you and imposter syndrome? Yeah, I think we all battle with uh, imposter syndrome. But I think yeah. the first step as a as a young graduate, I mean, even myself, I entered the industry, at least you are better, you've got a degree. I entered the industry with not even a single degree. I had a matric a certificate. So just imagine that imposter syndrome. But I think it's important to forget the degree. Yes, you do have the qualification. But when you enter the industry, accept that you don't know and accept that the people who you find there know more than you uh, be open to learning, ask the questions. Mm. You know, mining for me has been a journey of continuous learning, uh, continuous unlearning, relearning. So you need to be open to that because this whole I've got a degree story is what trips a lot of graduates when they enter the industry uh, and they find themselves, I did not study to be a shift boss. Well, unfortunately for you to climb that ladder, you need to go through that process. So I think being curious is key. And, and just being respectful of the people around you and, and appreciating that they've walked the road before you and yours is to now learn from them um, as you progress through throughout your career. And I think on, on self-confidence, you just need to hone in the skill, put in the time, put in the hours. It doesn't come you know, from anywhere. You just need to make the time and put in the effort because if you don't, then you are going to, to hinder your progress in, in the industry. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think confidence comes from competence and competence yeah. isn't your qualification. It's a combination of your qualification, your experience, honing the skills, your natural aptitude to do something and your knowledge and your network, people that you can draw Absolutely. on. 
And every single time you move in your career, your competence goes from being enough for where you were to not enough for where you're moving to. So you go through the cycle the whole time. And and I think all of it to be to be Lair and Mukhiliadi and Pity, you'll agree that the more you figure out that you know, the more you realize you don't know. And that, I think, is where the imposter syndrome comes from. And this kind of noisy inner critic who's saying, oh, you're not good enough. You haven't done enough. You haven't studied enough. And and we had a talk about this in one of our mentoring groups a while ago around separating that inner critic voice from your own voice and learning that this is just the little girl inside you who wants to keep you safe. And she's scared that every time you try and do something that you don't know how to do, you're going to fail. But you've got so much evidence of having got to where you are at this point in your career of succeeding and learning from failure and course correcting that all you need to do is look at that voice and hear what she's saying and thank her for what she's saying and let her know that you've got it, okay? And let her know that you've got a support group of people to learn from who've got you. And and those are your peers and your mentors and the mentees in the group with you. So I think the more we talk about what we don't know and we allow ourselves not to have to know everything, the easier it is to drop this whole thing of having to be perfect. Yeah. One thing I've learned as well is that one has to get around the table, you know, you need to put yourself out there because the more you hold back and you, you because of, of maybe lack of confidence or, or, or whatever, the less you get to learn. So even if you know that you don't have the experience, raise your hand, say, no, I'll do it. And you learn mm. on the road. Uh, you learn somewhere along the, the road. Someone will teach you how to do it, even if you don't know how to do it. If someone says who, who's willing to take up this task, raise your hand, even if you don't know how to do it. And, and, and you'll draw the experience and the confidence from the people around you. I've had the experience of working underground with, with operators. And I realized that people that I learned the most from were the operators on the floor. And the fact that you were able to humble yourself so much, you just, you're a graduate, you just got their blasting ticket and you've got now a blasting ticket, you've got a degree and you go and become a minor underground to work with people that have absolutely no education. And they are the guys that teaches you not just the technicalities of the job, but also a lot of leadership skills. Mm. They, they teach you how to, to communicate on different levels, to manage up and to manage down. So you, need, you just need to, to learn to get out of your shell, even if it's uncomfortable. Most of us are not comfortable with standing in front of people and speaking. But if they say, who's going to be the MC? You raise your hand, I'll do it. <laughs> and then you'll start biting your, your, your lips while you're in front of the people. But that is how you learn. That is how you you grow, you know, by just keep keeping on raising your hand, keeping on when, when there's a there's an important um, meeting going on, sitting at the table and not at the back, um, and putting yourself out there. And as you learn and as you, your confidence grows, people are, are going to start recognizing you. I think that's such wonderful advice. Yeah. And and yeah. absolutely, if you don't put yourself out there, you won't get the experience. And the experience is what compounds the knowledge that you have. So, Nkosi, what question would you like to ask? 
Um, my question is, what is the difficult situation you have come across in your career and how did you deal with it? So I've got two kids. Love my kids. My IT manager's in the house. <laughs> so what you soon realize yeah. in, in mining is that as you start a family, it becomes very challenging because you find yourselves at a crossroad. The guilt of, do I go for a nine to five where I now be at home at four or do I continue to do production where you still have to do the shifts, you still need to do the traveling and you still need to work the long hours. So for me, I found myself at a crossroad, uh, uh, not, not once, but twice. And again, you know, when you've got that big vision and that big picture and, you know, that willingness to want to make a difference. It, it, it's what's guided me. Uh, but our decisions are not the same. Some of us do choose to actually either stay at home and look after our kids, which is not a bad thing. Some of us do choose to go and move away from production or do planning, something that's more predictable. It's also not a bad thing. So you just need to be guided, but what's comfortable for you? What is the vision for yourself? Um, and the, the route that's going to get you to that ultimate uh, ambition that you have for yourself. So those are some of the difficulties that, that I've encountered um, while progressing through my career. I love that you said make the decisions that are right for you because so often we get swayed by external validation and what society says we should be doing. And there's yeah. this rhetoric around women have to be superwoman and have it all and be everything to everybody. But the moment we buy into that, that's when we set ourselves up for failure. Yeah. And and I think your advice of you need to define for yourself what success looks like for you, not yeah. for everybody else. That's the most crucial advice to give. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and for me, I think the most difficult situation I've had to deal with in my career has been getting demoted. Um, so I got demoted when I actually didn't understand why. I spent a lot of time trying to fight it, you know. I'd bring my performance appraisals to the table to make people understand that I've always been delivering on my KPIs. And I, I, I didn't, I think for the better part of that difficult situation, I didn't look at myself. And, you know, I came across a coach and I think from that it, it helped me understand my role in my life. And I think my key takeaway from that experience is that when something happens, we always think it's happening to us and we are not participating in that. And mm -hmm. I, I, I never wanted to take accountability for what was happening. But post what I, you know, the, the support I got, I understood that nothing happens to me without me participating in it. Mm -hmm. And I actually took that time to re recoup and plan for the next thing for myself. And, you know, I think at the time it was very difficult to a point where I almost went into depression because I just didn't get it. And I questioned a lot of my self-worth if I wasn't good enough and all the while trying to prove to everyone else that I was actually good enough. And, you know, the solution for me was just being content with who I am and understanding when I have delivered. And if I'm happy with the quality of my work, it, it shouldn't bother me how it is, it is, um, received by other people. Because I think that was the, um, the one thing I struggled a lot with. But I managed to come out of it and it helped me really set myself up for the next thing that came, um, in my career. 
being an accountable individual in in my life. So now nothing really happens mm. to me. I decide if it's going to affect me or you know, I still go through challenges, but I face them differently and I I go into it as a, you know, a, a person who's taking charge of the situation and not always being a victim of things. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think it takes a really brave person to be able to share what you've just shared because we so often want people to think we've all taken this linear path upwards and and to speak of a demotion is is a hard thing to acknowledge. But I think a very powerful question to ask yourself is what is the role that I've taken in where I find myself today? And and that can be where I find myself positively or where I find myself negatively. And it speaks to what you're saying about taking accountability for the actions and the actions that you take in your life. Patty, any difficult situations you've found yourself in and that you've learned from? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I worked with an extremely difficult boss and I'm not sure whether he was just difficult or he was just a bully, but I think he was just a bully. Uh, but he he used to make my life very, very difficult. He used to fight with me a lot. And there was a, a day where um, he gave me an instruction. I think it was to move a dozer or something very petty in the pit. And um, I was a mine overseer at the time. And I went down to the pit, gave the guys my instructions, and and the dozer was on breakdown. So I left and I went back to my office, continued with my day because I, I, I knew that the the team has everything under control. And he went to the pit and he obviously found the dozer not doing what he instructed me to do. And he immediately came back to the office. He literally banged my door so hard that it smashed a hole into the basic like the, the, the wall, there's this drywall. Oh, dear. And after that incident, I think I had a couple of decisions to make. You know, um, I had to question myself, is it about me or is it personal? And you start analyzing people's leadership skills and, and, and whether you are willing to tolerate that. Because I think as a, as a, as a woman or even a, a, as a, an employee, you, you sort of have a right to choose what you tolerate and what you don't tolerate. And before I, I blamed myself, I had to look at all the other external factors and how everybody around him is, is being treated and everybody around him is, is re- responding. And uh, I made a decision for myself that I'm not going to um, leave my career path because of one person. I am not gonna, going to get depressed because of one person and you look at your own personal capabilities and your competency and you realize that but you are competent to do the job and if if you were in under someone else's leadership you would flourish even more and i made the decision to do something about it and when i wasn't getting joy i decided to leave the company because i was not willing to um, be suppressed because I felt like my my growth is being suppressed because I'm not given freedom to to grow. So I decided that I will be in an organization that supports growth, that supports female. I will not change my career. I'm not all of a sudden going to choose that I'm going to go sit in an office because I don't want to be in the production field. This is what I want to do and this is what I will do. 
and I will not allow people to influence my career because they are bullies or they have personal issues. This is what I want to do and I will fight tooth and nail for me to stay in the career that I want to be because that's my choice. So, yeah. Very yeah. powerful. It's, I mean, that's, Very again, taking responsibility for how you react to other people's behaviors and, and choosing for yourself. It would be very easy to react to that and and assume that you're at fault um, and make decisions based on somebody else's behavior. So, yeah, good for you for standing up for yourself. So we're going to run out of time soon. There's one thing that I want to explore very quickly before um, we wrap up, and that's that Tabile Pitti and Mokhiliadi, you have all been in awards and and finalists in awards and so pity is a finalist in the rising stars award this year and we will know very soon um, how she's done so hoping to celebrate that soon mochiliadi has been a winner in the rising stars mining and minerals category back in 2015 tabile you have been a top inspirational woman awardee and and many other things and you all put yourselves out there and so i think for everybody it would be really nice to understand how does one become a nominee a rising stars finalist a top 100 inspirational woman what are the actions that you're taking what are the behaviors that put you in the spotlight for those sorts of awards yeah, if I may go. Um, so mm. I think the, the Top 100 Inspirational Women um, Award seeks to recognize, you know, trailblazers in the mining industry. And these are women, you know, within the industry, according to me, are the ones that are, you know, are doing something more. It's more. It's just not for me. It wasn't just my day job. So at the, mm. at the time, I was the chairperson of Women in Mining South Africa. So it's not about, you know, clocking in and doing your day job. It's about what is it that you do after that? Um, how are you contributing to society to make society better off? How are you as a leader leaving people better off? How are you changing the landscape? And I think for me, that's quite important is, is how are you going above and beyond? And I think, you know, that's the recognition um, that one received. Lovely. Thanks, Tabile. Pity. Being a rising stars finalist, how do you? What are the behaviours that put you in that spotlight? I think, Brioni, the the one thing is that you you actually really need to put yourself out there. In our industry, we everybody is just all about getting their job done. You know, everybody's chasing mm. their own KPIs. Nobody is looking at whether you are a rising star or you are contributing to the world at large, unless you actually take that decision that you know what i will celebrate myself if nobody else will celebrate me i will celebrate myself mm. and that's that's the first and initial step to it and obviously as you get part of the competition you go through different stages of judging and then you start competing and then it's no longer about just you and what you want to do but you need to take the first step you need to say that this is what I, I want and this is what I, I, I'm, I'm going to do to get it. And for me, that was um, entering into the Rising Star. So I nominated myself 
Um, I'm not even going to try and say, oh, I was nominated by, <laughs> by some company. <laughs> I nominated myself. I was like, I raised my hand. I'll do it. <laughs> and then obviously from there, you start getting into the pool and then you, you get served out with the, with the rest of the candidates. But it, um, as Tabula said, is that you have to be more than just an employee. Mm. You, you need to, to, to contribute to people's lives. You need to, to lead people and not just manage them. That's, that's the attributes that I think would, gets you on these kind of platforms. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing you say when somebody says who wants to be the MC, it's you putting your hand up. When somebody says, Not here's some I of, well, good at it. <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> the point is putting your hand up anyway. <laughs> It's shining the spotlight on yourself, not waiting for somebody else to shine the spotlight on you, advocating for yourself, getting out of your comfort zone, seeking the opportunities and really contributing to a bigger picture, not just what can I get, but what can I give and how can I serve? I think that's a huge lesson for a lot of people, especially with a mindset of being an employee versus being the person in charge of your own career. And if I may add, uh, Brianne, and um, there's no age to this. So you can't say I'm too young. Mm. Uh, I just graduated. You know, I haven't gotten this. Or I haven't, or I am too old by now. Um, there's no age age limit to these kind of things. So um, if, if, if one has something in mind, a goal that you want to achieve, one just has to go for it. I love it. That's powerful advice for everybody. Mahaliadi, what's it like being a Rising Stars winner? <laughs> it's, it's been wonderful. And I just want Ooh. to add on to um, what Pity said last around the age thing. I remember when I entered, criteria was um, 28-year-olds to 40-year-olds, and I was 25. And I thought, ah, I just want to go to the final, you know, the dinner and clap hands for people because I actually thought I was going to be disqualified based on age. And to just emphasize that point, it's never too early. And for me, it's been making my career fun. I think I've always wondered what, what else can mining engineers do besides going underground? And, you know, before I even left VET, I was in Gal Engineering. I was in Sawumish, South African Women in Engineering, giving back. And that's where I think I found my passion around people. Mm. And all these awards are really around impact and saying, what is it that you are doing beyond yourself? And, you know, I was reading The Seed of the Soul sometime this year, and they're talking about creating your own karma and saying, you know, what you put out there will always come back to you. Mm -hmm. So if you see yourself as a rising star, go out and try make someone feel like a rising star. Create a top woman, a top hundred woman in mining. Mm -hmm. And it, it does come back to you because people see it when you are being authentic and people just want you to feel the energy that you are giving out so it's really around creating these consequences and and you know what you want for yourself if you see yourself as a you know whatever your inspiration is start doing that you know when i speak to high school students i i've got a school i adopted and i usually talk to the grade 12 learners to say if you think you are a doctor start thinking about what doctors do, walk mm. like a doctor. Let your teacher say, hey, this is not a hospital Yeah, <laughs> Come back to life. But, you know, start doing the things that you, you really want for yourself. And even if you're not doing it for yourself, do it for someone else and it all comes back to you. 
So yeah. yes, it's been a great Adopt great the mentality. Lovely. Yeah, adopt the mentality of being the person that you want to be. All right, so you speak to high school students, so let's use that as our wrap-up. Quickly, round from each of you, if you had the opportunity to give some advice to some high school students who were thinking about a career in the mining industry and specifically mining engineering, what's one thing that you think they should know and that you would have liked to have known when you were their age that you would like to share with them now? Tabile, let's start with you. Yeah, so my piece of advice would to be, you know, the industry is limitless. You make it uh, what you want. The opportunities are many. And, you know, when you find yourself at a crossroads, you can still change direction, but within the industry and still prosper in the industry. Lovely. Thank you. Petty, what's your advice? Uh, I would say that it's very important for one to know what you're passion, passionate about and more or less what you want to do. Research it very much. Know, know what you need to get in order for you to actually get to the end goal, even, even if you don't have that end goal clearly defined. Because um, every single day you make decisions towards that goal. Know what you're passionate about. Know what you need to do, what you need to acquire in order for you to get to the end goal and work towards it every day. They always say that there's so much power in writing things down. Mm. Write it down so that you can keep on referring to it and saying, this is what I want to achieve this year and go for it. Great. So being very intentional and, and having lots of conversations with other people to help you figure out who you are and what it is that you want to do. It's, it's hard to do this yeah. in isolation. And Kosi, what would your advice be for somebody who's in high school? Um, my advice will be there are a lot of opportunities out there in the mining industry department, but you must have no doubt uh, in whatever that you do and go for it. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. I think that's a good good thing to be telling people. Hard to act on but certainly something to consider. Annalisa? I actually share the same sentiments that everyone asked. I would tell them what my high school teacher used to tell me. She said, if you can touch it, you can catch it. So if you have a vision and you see yourself, just imagine and see yourself where you want to be within the industry and go for it. Don't second guess yourself. Join every society that you can join. Participate, show up. Yeah, just go for it. You had a very wise teacher. Makhuliadi, you get to wrap up the advice. Thanks. And for me, it would be people to not stop at the stuff that scare them. So don't stop because you don't think, you think you don't know. And also creating a network of people. Go talk to that person that you admire. Ask them how they did it. I think that's how we all do it. If you see someone and you wonder how they, they do. Just go talk to them. And it may not be going into the same career as them, but just the way they lead their lives. I, I found mm. that self-discipline starts with, you know, just deciding that, you know what, this is what I'm, I need to do, even if it's something you don't like doing. And you sometimes learn that from people who are actually doing these things to say. It may be, you know, appearing glamorous, but if you're in high school, you have to do the sciences and maths to get into uh, mining engineering and you have to study and study 
hard to get it you know it's it's not going to come overnight so it's it's really stuff that you think you cannot do you you try and you talk to people who have done that because they are best suited to to share how they got there yeah so staying the course working through the tough stuff getting out of your comfort zone leveraging your network managing yourself as if you are a business not having an employee receiving mindset, looking to see how you can serve others, putting your hand up even if you don't know how to do it, learning from failure, accepting that you will fail, and course correcting as you go. It sounds like those are the themes that we've talked about today. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. So thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. I hope you've had a good time. I hope you've learned from each other. And more importantly, I hope you are all connecting with each other so that you can use the network that's being created here on this podcast. And I look forward to chatting to you after the podcast. And um, thanks very much for being here. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.